Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series. That's right, Season 2 Emmy Award-winning Ted Lasso. That's right. In every episode, for, for those who are new to the, to the channel here, we do a brief episode overview coming up very quickly, followed by a three-word episode review. We, of course, analyze what happens on the pitch as Richmond try and turn around maybe a, a dismal start to their season what happens off the pitch which is oftentimes more compelling and then finally uh, establish a main theme of the episode we follow this with a bit of pub trivia which are just nuggets and things that i pick up on uh, because i'm a lunatic uh, throughout these uh, rewatches and then of course crown a winner winner football dinner who did the best job in the episode uh, to uh, to close it out, Brandon. All right. Well, today we are covering season two, episode six, The Signal. The last time that we were together, we recapped season two, episode five, Rainbow, and the triumphant return of Roy Kent to the coaching staff after some encouragement from Ted. We were also reminded of this meta commentary from Ted that fairy tales do not start, nor do they end in the dark forest. That son of a gun always shows up smack dab in the middle of a story. Now we get to see what this signal business is all about. Here's a quick signal for you. You can you can engage with us on social media at Pod Underdogs on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We we want to have a conversation, uh, maybe without emojis uh, for this one. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into the episode the best way we know how with a three word episode review. Here we go. So to kick it off, Dan, we're going to do our three word episode review, and I'm going to let you kick it off. I'm with cup showing cracks. Uh huh. I mean, it's made out of metal, but yeah, I, I get where you're going there. Like uh, I put it's cup. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I I put it's cup magic because we did get to see. Uh, I don't want to say a big team knocked out of the cup, but uh, <laughs> certainly a uh, a team in the Premier League getting knocked out by a team in the Championship is always fun to see. Nick, uh, what about yours? Should <laughs> should have went with Spurs bottle again, uh, but <laughs> I went with the Roy Kent effect. So Roy Kent effect being my three word episode review. Well, I guess uh, it works out well considering that Roy Kent slash Brett Goldstein is actually a Spurs fan in real life. That he was willing to write this episode that puts his team to the sword was quite the sacrificial move. So a uh, big, big plus up there for Roy K. They made it to the quarterfinals. That's the best they've ever done, you know? So uh, he, he did write him in a good spot. That was pretty cool. All right. Uh, well, the main theme of this one is coming together while falling apart. And so, Nick, I'll kind of let you set the stage here. Um, you know, we, we talked about the fact that this one is really feels like Harking back to season one, you know, some people had kind of talked that, oh, this is very surface level. We're not really seeing what we saw before. We talked about there kind of being three parts, we think, in this one. Uh, and I think that we're definitely seeing act two of this series uh, really, I think, take life. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote this and I, and I believe it. I think there there's real magic in a series that can simultaneously build up and tear down storylines. Uh, I think that's some of the best TV that there there could be for me personally. Uh, we know that while the team, right, and we'll get into the team, you know, kind of on-field performance and all that kind of stuff, well, they seem to be on the, on the rise after a really tough start. Uh, this is an episode where Ted, you know, much like the, the episode in Liverpool last season, uh, begins to uh, kind of meet, some challenges in the road. And so you have this kind of simultaneous trajectory of the team doing well and Ted going the other direction while some of his uh, staff kind of shine in, in key moments. And it just, I think, reminds you that while this, this series is called Ted Lasso 
And while he is the you know preeminent storyline in the show, they have done a very good job to this point in the series, Dan, of making everybody else the story and not Ted. But you start to see that now Ted is going to reemerge as as a main storyline in the show. Well, especially if you're going to build a show over multiple seasons, whether that's three, whether that's four. There's also the looming fear that at some point Jason Sudeikis isn't available to go to London on a regular basis to film this show. So potentially does it carry the name of the moniker Ted Lasso, but someone like Roy or Nate step up and end up becoming the boss of AFC Richmond and they carry it forward in a, a spiritual nature as it were, or it spins off into something new. And so I think it's just great world building to take the time to invest in stories that can carry the same tonal function, but not necessarily have to feature Ted to be the driving force behind it. Like it was in season one, which is the fish out of water type of season. And now we're really kind of getting to see uh, beneath the surface of all these characters that maybe we're a little less invested into in kind of that first season. Yeah, they definitely shared the load as far as uh, kind of being the breakout star. You can see that in our kind of character review, who's the winner, winner, chicken dinner of each episode. Um, but let us go ahead and kind of remind you of what was going on before we dig into it. So Ted has a breakdown after receiving a call from his son's school and begins a familiar spiral that leads to another panic attack during the middle of a match. All of his past demons seem to be resurfacing at the wrong time, taking him out of the action when it matters most. So after refusing Dr. Sharon's help for the first six episodes, uh, they end the episode. Uh, it's pretty haunting, actually. Dr. Sharon finds him in a terrible state in her office and admits that he needs to make an appointment. So again, back to the uh, the previous episode. Are we seeing Ted in the middle of a dark forest? Because it won't end there. All right. So as we always kick it off with On the Pitch, uh, this time it's the magic of the FA Cup. And Richmond, uh, they're into the quarterfinals, even though they are in an up and down results oriented part of the season. So um, <laughs> this is kind of funny, Nick. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, Arlo White calling them an unrecognizable after winning their fourth match in a row. But after that, they very quickly hit the quarterfinals against Spurs, which again, Premier League team, they're a division below. So you'd assume Spurs would have been thrilled to have picked up AFC Richmond uh, in the quarterfinals, even if it was away at, uh, what do we call the stadium again? The Toilet Bowl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I thought they were, they used a really good um, bit of football education uh, theater here, uh, which is when Ted walks into the office, says, I'm so fired up about this dang FA Cup. He describes this as the March Madness style tournament in the middle of the season where every club in the country is eligible to play at some point. It's a very real thing, but also kind of a clever device to bring people along who are not necessarily uh, soccer fans and who don't know what the FA Cup is. I mean, this is, uh, a, to me, kind of an interesting thing because, of course, all three of us know exactly what he's talking about and why it matters and what's important about it. Uh, but we have to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of people who don't necessarily follow the sport as diehard as we do. And I thought they did a really good job of that. Dan, I think that's one of the harder things that when I explain to my classic American sports fans that, no, 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 there's a season, but then during the season, there are actually tournaments on top of it that aren't playoffs. They're, they're complete. That always confuses people. So hopefully this stuck for some people. Um, but look, they think it's a, you know, the initial thoughts like, what you mean like an all-star game or something like yep. there's a mid season type thing. You're like, no, 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 not, not single, you know, a separate competition, uh, more in. leagues and these like 
No, no, the, people have a hard time grasping it. And I actually think Ted Lasso has done a nice job at least introducing the concept. I think they do need to go, you know, they'll eventually go one level deeper, particularly uh, as, you know, the you know eighth episode of the season is uh, going to be called just Man City. So uh, kind of spoiler alert there. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more information about what this FA Cup is. Because again, if you're watching this, you know, you're listening to this, watching this episode, you know the end result already, which is that... Uh, you know, Richmond, uh, Richmond advance. They do the business, uh, but to help them get there, they have to have the Roy Kent effect. And that is trademarked. I promise. So, uh, he's now working for the team in training and during matches. He's providing the steel and the confidence that the team need to raise the game. And again, Dan, I just think he brings a validity to the players, right? Uh, Nate was kind of their in-house soccer guy, football, you know, classically trained guy while beard and Ted were the the outsiders coming in, they were just supposed to be great man managers. Roy brings the meat and potatoes to training and it clearly has not taken long for him to handle lots of training. Well, he has the football nous, as it were, to be able to instill a little bit more of that hard man mentality into the side. And so he speaks with a level of credibility that Nate struggles to find and we see Nate trying to figure out what his place looks like in this team with Roy returning and figure out how he shows that he can flex that footballing IQ, even though he never played and went from kit man to, <laughs> to assistant coach in a previously Premier League side, but now championship side and, you know, Beard, who is just a student of it and a general, you know, and then a general leader in Ted, you know, you really have rounded out the side actually quite quite well nick and i think in general you're starting to see the you know them yeah showing a little bit more of that how do you actually assemble a leadership team not just a a group of individuals yeah i mean it plays well obviously from a personality standpoint but it also plays well because they were struggling right they were struggling in the league they were struggling in in general and so you bring in someone to help gin up the guys who knows what the hell he's talking about after having won the champions league at chelsea um and it's, it's really, you know, I think kind of fits in the storyline perfectly um, now that we kind of see it in action. So um, part of it here is Roy has to get through, or I guess he just has to figure out how to work with Jamie Tart, Nick. I mean, obviously we saw in season one how they were mortal enemies. I mean, Roy had, wanted nothing to do with Jamie. And now he's come to this reckoning that like Jamie's a key puzzle piece to this side. He is... Their only kind of game changer, right, can essentially uh, on a moment's notice turn the head on the the game on top of itself, and and he figures out a way to get through him. Has a really honest, albeit rude, way of explaining <laughs> how he views Jamie, and it kind of works in that sense. Yeah, there were a couple of really cool scenes in this episode that I, I wanted to touch on. I think the first is during the first part of training uh, when. Uh, Roy refuses to give Jamie any sort of feedback or coaching. Ted tells him that he's paid to coach the full team. Roy then responds by telling Ted that he can dock him 4% of his pay <laughs> because he just doesn't want to do it. You know, it's a funny little uh, quip and anecdote. And then on top of that, when Jamie does a, a actually mature thing, you're starting to see a little bit of growth from him as a, as a person and ask Roy for help. Uh, Roy has one of, for me, one of his best monologues uh, on the show and tells Ted, uh, you fucked him up. You made him a team player and you got him to pass and shit. Pass and shit is one of my funny, this is just so funny. And you, and by doing so, you made him average. 
And then he turns to Jamie and goes, because Jamie, deep down at your core, you are a prick. So just be a prick. We need you to score more goals. We need you to get into the other team's fucking heads and drive them up the fucking wall like only you can fucking do. And the the Ted intros were like, he's kind of does the little comic relief in the middle of this is so good. And it just... Dan, for me, is just like that perfect Ted Lasso comedy bit. Well, as the next point in our script kind of highlights, it's, you know, they have to develop a signal because as we've learned through the show, Jamie is childlike in the way that he views the world at times and can be uh, touch dense, as it were. And so he needs a signal to know when to be uh, quote unquote uh, prick tart. And he is able <laughs> to really unlock that with a, a couple of uh, fragrant, uh, fragrant gestures there with his uh, the, the flick of the fingers uh, from the entire team, which gets caught on the broadcast feed, which uh, would definitely be if it happened in real, like a real time Premier League or championship match would be a Twitter moment. It would just oh, yeah. be uh, actually the fact that they haven't like gone back to that. in now the future episodes is a little funny to me, Brandon, because again, very unique and probably would be a commentary point and does not even make the post-match interview that they feature in this episode either. Well, and Jamie didn't know what it was, right? They didn't tell him. They're like, you'll know when you see it. And then to have all of them just throw him the bird and he kind of dons, he goes, huh? All right. Like he gets it right away and uh, goes on to just be the absolute obnoxious player that only Jamie Tart can be. The the best I think the best part of the whole finger, the one finger salute is uh, Ted. Ted looks at Roy and goes, I think it's time for the signal. And Roy goes, yep. He's like, did you come up with anything better? Nope. <laughs> like so, it was clearly like they they had kind of planned this before, and and Ted was just going to let him roll with it because it's you know it's a point of motivation that only Roy can kind of deliver. But then the best thing happens, right? Jamie turns into a superstar again. He nutmegs uh, the Spurs captain, gets fouled by him, and scores an unbelievable free kick from about 190 yards away. Uh, and the coolest part of this is that. It wasn't CGI. Um, Brendan Hunt, who plays Beard, posted the raw footage on on Twitter of uh, uh, Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, scoring this goal. Uh, and it's actually he hits it like it's an unbelievable uh, athletic skill uh, for Phil Dunster. So it's uh, it's kind of a sneaky behind the scenes thing there that it wasn't all CGI and stuff like that. No, it was just assisted by a goalkeeper being hindered in their ability to do their job. Maybe it was, you know, Reese. Yeah, maybe. As you know, they are terrible. So, uh, well, uh, and again, Jamie predicted and told the the guy that he was going to do everything, and sure enough, there went. And then Roy going, he's gonna fucking hit it. <laughs> oh, just watching them on the sideline. It was fun getting the band back together again, like in a match scenario. We haven't seen Ted really on the pitch much and interacting and kind of having to react to different things that are happening in the match. And finally, we got it. Um, and then we got some drama late equalized by Spurs. So I think it was what, like two, two at that point or something like that. Um, now, okay. So after, you know, feeling marginalized by Roy's emergence in the team, um, they're trying, like, I guess Ted's gone at this point, we should say he has had his panic attack. He is down the tunnel. Uh, everyone's just assuming he has to go to the bathroom, which is probably the friendliest thing for him Mm -hmm. in that situation. And so all of a sudden he's got these three assistant coaches 
in a tough situation trying to figure out what is the best plan of action. And again, Roy wants to, you know, park the bus. He wa- or I'm sorry, he wants to throw on a striker. Sorry, Dan. He wants to go throw for on a it. striker and go for it. And Nate out of nowhere kind of has like this 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 moment of clarity and says absolutely not without even asking, makes the final two substitutions, parks the bus and hits him on a counterattack where they go on to win the match and um Again, absolute faces of disbelief from uh, Roy and Coach Beard when it actually came off. Well, and we get to hear it, right? We don't get to see that it actually ends up happening because that takes us into the off the pitch type of conversation where ultimately Rebecca notices that this happens immediately, picks up on Ted being in an anxiety attack, understanding what happened to him in Liverpool, rushing down to the office to try to find him, only to find just a a piece of his clothing, right, discarded. Like, he evaporated into just thin air, like, leftover style. Like, the clothes are there, but he's gone. And so Nate gets to do this thing, and you see them come in and celebrate. And so there's all this excitement, and, you know, you get this amazing type of rapture of this release of, oh my gosh, we did this. We, we slayed, <laughs> slayed Goliath, we're David. And now there's also the ramifications of what this, how this has hurt people and how this has also accelerated and made people better and built them up and, and brought in confidence. Like I know Nick, I mean, this is also ties us right in Nate the Great getting his special, <laughs> special little Mourinho moment, but it does not go to plan. Yeah, the, the wonder kid, um, after the match um, is is funny. And it's also a trope that I think a lot of Americans don't get this right uh, when, t- and when referencing the, the like a wonder kid. It's actually Wunderkind. Uh, and so like the fact that he's on live TV and he's like, oh, can we like fix that through editing? And he's like, no, we're live. Anyway, and like back in on the questions, like it it is just kind of funny, but it is his, I mean, this is his moment, right? Brandon, you know, a guy who, you know, had some really great moments in season one, has kind of been a little off in season two, finally gets a moment to shine. And uh, it's a great it's a great experience for for Nate Great. We've seen him with confidence issues as well, even in the previous episode. And so for him to again, it was like a moment of clarity and everything just like blocked out for him. He said, do this and that's it. It was very out of character for him and it paid off. So now with that gamble comes great reward and probably the adulations and the attention he's getting. Um, and now the Richmond team are flying. So that's kind of, you know, what happened on the pitch is all good from a result standpoint, not so much for Ted uh, in that instance. So off the pitch, uh, we, we titled this one, The Courage to Care. So this is where Higgins' truth soup about Beard's relationship with Jane leads to the greater understanding between them. Uh, again, uh, Higgins, you just think back to season one and how like wet blanket he was, Nick, right? He was just pretty much there to be Rebecca's, you know, kind of whipping boy, his like joke Mm -hmm. that followed her around. And now he has a role. He has a personality. He has a family. Like we know about Higgins. And and this is just him feeling really comfortable and continuing to grow. And a a funny conversation just like at face value, if nothing else. Right. I mean, like. I think he's gone from exactly what you just referenced to one of the true moral centers of the show this season, you know, between his hosting of Christmas, uh, at his house, 
you know, the fact that him and his wife are playing kind of a bigger role and like their relationship is a beacon for a lot of other relationships in the show. And the fact that he's willing to do a hard thing um, and feels the you know courage of his convictions um, after everybody has told him to not talk to Beard about Jane. Uh he he knows it's the right thing to do. And I think that's a really cool thing. You know, if you feel the courage of your convictions and you're ready to do something that may not be popular, it may not feel great, but you're you know it's the right thing to do and you proceed with it anyway. I mean that's that's what character is. And so uh you know I, I do love Dan the beginning of this with with the emergency meeting of the diamond dogs uh, I thought this was one of the better moments of the show and I love that that's like carried through as a as a trope that they can use at any time and Le- Leslie has not disappointed this season despite his <laughs> continued relocation of offices again he's a man on the move with Roy joining the team he he just has a way of being there and being the person willing to do the right thing even if it's uncomfortable and uh, i mean to really kind of shapes how some of the characters on the the uh, you know really like rebecca or ted are just afraid of conflict in a larger sense they don't want to rock the boat they don't want to make things difficult they want things to be copacetic and be positive and to try to chart their path into calm waters with the realization that the waters are never calm they just can look that way you know (laughs) there's very few moments where you're uh, you're still on the water and uh leslie seems to be uh the most aware of that of all brand so diamond dogs tell them no 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 don't do it and usually like if you talk to your friends and they're like no don't do it usually like you take that advice on but then during the match up in the box, Rebecca tells him, no, never interfere. It never helps anything. And you only will be punished for it, end quote. And so now he's even has his boss who has gone through a shit relationship, the divorce and everything as well. She's like, no, 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 not worth it. Trust me. Like, don't do it. And again, to you guys' point, out of all of the people that he's very close to and he values what they have to say, he goes against it. And for it to end the way it did, I think was really cool to see, I mean, they could have easily had it been like a, a blow up point and things mm-hmm. like that, but uh, he didn't. He talked to Beard, it went well. Um, and the fact that he cares enough to do the right thing, even when it's hard, just shows, like, again, to your guys' point, the moral compass uh, of Higgins or the naivety of being like, no, like, what do you mean? This is, I should just do this. Like, <laughs> I'm unaware of guy of who's the... been married for 20 years, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I forgot the the metaphor they used to like or the analogy they used to describe his wedding, but essentially it was like a Hallmark card, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyways, that was a, a fun and, and clearly a, a life lesson moment, you know, that they were putting across. It, very relatable. I mean, I've had friends that have been in terrible mm. relationships. I've probably been in them where they had to come to me. So uh, again, very relatable. Uh, then next up, we've got Rebecca channeling, ch- channeling Wolf channeling the energy that she would have normally applied to fixing her mom's relationship with her dad into a couple of flings and into Ted. So uh, she clearly feels pretty, um, (laughs) pretty, pretty invested in her new flame on banter, the dating app, Uh, a new and exciting development for someone who hasn't been excited about a relationship in a while now. Uh, You know, she has the, the young gentleman of the night that she calls (laughs) when, when she needs yet she always comes back to her phone, Nick, and is always messaging this um, still unidentified person. 
until they're identified. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of the interesting part, right? Is like she went through this early season uh, kind of finding herself, figuring out what she wants. And the fact that the person on the other end of the app is Sam and not Ted, you know, the, the red herring from the previous episode is, is so funny. And it actually made me think back, Dan, to the kind of early uh, season one when they had the curse uh, episode uh, when Sam walks into the office and is like, oh, you must get romantic invitations all the time and all that kind of stuff. And the fact, you know, these two are electric on screen together. They clearly, you know, like each other off camera because it, it just it factors into the on camera uh, relationship that they have. And the fact that it's in secret that they're, they're kind of doing it this way through banter is, is kind of a funny trope. But she she's not investing time in her mom. She knows where the mom story is going to go. She's she wants to be more invested in this thing. There's the campaign for uh, Dubai Air, where she's super excited that Sam is getting that opportunity. Right, the right. way that Sam takes to her her niece, uh, as it were, and you know they they definitely have built in moments to show you that there's a natural understanding between these individuals in just how they listen to one another. And then how they act upon doing something uh, nice because the other individual has asked it of them or rooting for them individually. So like, you know, hey, go go fire Sam, go get rid of him. You know, maybe another owner might have done that, right? But Rebecca can't dream of the idea of letting Sam go from the team. And so they have built enough emotional cachet between the two characters that I, I feel like we're going to get the understanding that the flight number that, Sam took to London is probably the how that number came about, right? It's like the five one two or the five two one. Um, that that'll be like, oh, that, that was my flight that I, I took in or the time I arrived in London uh, the first time. And so, yeah, it's just it's it's been fun to watch it. I feel like uh, yes, I fun? absolutely called. I find, I find it, it Im- unbelievably uncomfortable. <laughs> no, Why? no, this is like, like this is just it's it's letting. It's letting something run its course. It's letting them get this opportunity to uh, try to understand one another in, in a way that is not like superficial. And it's given them both an opportunity to, with the element of anonymity, I think that you will really see, you know, coming together because they know who each other is. Like there's not a putting on airs. <laughs> it's not all like all in the face. It is more emotional and kind of, con- there's more connective tissue there now. It's inevitably not going to end well. They can't happen. She's the owner of the club. And I think you're going to get those societal norms. She's very mature. Sam is young, has a lot of career ahead of him and life ahead of him. They're just at different life stages. So I think at best they're going to be pen pals, but I think the awkwardness of employer employee relationship is going to make it her embarrassed. And the fact like, what are the odds by the way, that it's in the same building I think those reasons is going to come crashing down. So I think to the, the, the counterpoint of that is if you look at the maturity that Sam has relative to his He's out with the boys right? in a taxi. He's out with the boys in a taxi <laughs> and they're singing a song. They're trying to get him to jump in. And he's just so focused and fixated on this conversation. He leads a charge against you know, potentially, you know, could damage his relationship with his employer, could potentially have found him without a job puts the black tape over Dubai air is the spokesperson accuses the government of Nigeria in the press conference of being corrupt. Like he is 
he is on an emotional like trajectory and maturity trajectory that is way different than mm-hmm. the other locker like locker room players. So, yeah, you could see him connecting with someone who is, you know, more mature, more knowing of who they are, or is developing that understanding. If anything, you just defined a young person with a carefree attitude who doesn't worry about their job, who isn't worried about making a living, who clearly is okay living in the moment. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I personally don't see this. I think it's going to be uncomfortable when she finally responds after Sam asked her to meet up. So, we'll which which we will get to in future episodes. Fair. All right. Um, so, lastly, uh, Rebecca. Again, we want to reiterate the fact that she sees what happens to Ted. Um, you know, she knows about this from season one in Liverpool. So again, she runs to check on him. She clearly cares about him, right? Like this just shows that you know their their bond is is far deeper. We saw it in the Christmas episode too, where she again pulled him out of a funk or a very bad situation. So um, you know she left that very uh, heartwarming voicemail, um, but obviously she didn't get to see Ted because the players interrupted that with the celebrations in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, it's a, this is this is really a. A cool show development though right she wants to sabotage the whole season one is her trying to sabotage him and then she figures out that he's actually a really decent guy uh who has flaws like any other person does and he's not this perfect human being and he and he is having anxiety and he is going through a really difficult situation with his divorce and you know they bond over that right and he helps her out with rupert and plays the white knight in the darts thing. And then that, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And these are clearly two people that are so aligned now that, you know, they can sense when each other is not doing well. Uh, and it's just, you know, from where, from where we came from to now, I think it's just one of the cooler developments that, that I've seen in, in the writing of the show. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our crown and anchor pub trivia, weird questions and observations that we have. Nick, this is your time to shine. No one has aced it yet. Uh, so technically <laughs> you're winning. Of course I am uh, master and commander of this ship. Uh, <laughs> look, these are probably going to be, these are probably going to be a little easier uh, on, on on this episode because these are standout moments uh, that I think uh, were really interesting. But uh, what is Colin's new mantra? Uh, I think this is, and I, I would include both parts if you're if you're so inclined because I think that's really great. Uh, a sneaky one, uh, a joke for people born in the early to mid seventies. Who does Ted say the director of HR at Richmond is? Um, there, there could be a little fun, uh, call back there. Then what is the classic battle of art and commerce that beard references when, uh, when the diamond dogs are, are together? That's a, a classic for those who pay attention to the music world. What does Ted call the British version of Dukes of Hazard? A classic, uh, from the, uh, from the trailer. If you've uh, watched that, I, I love secret sandwich switcheroo. I think that's a wonderful concept that we should all be doing in our workplaces. What kind of sandwich do Ted and Beard make for each other on Fridays? It is an underrated sandwich. Oh, mm. it's incredibly underrated. Come on. It's the I think it's the best sandwich, actually, in the world. And also the the ingredient that most people fixate on is not the key ingredient to that. It's the third. More. It's the third acronym. Uh third letter of the acronym. Don't give it away, Dan. Jeez. Anyways. And then Keely dropping a little bit of inside baseball about Roy to Jamie. 
What does Keeley do to take the anger wind out of Roy's back sails? All right. Uh, any other surprise that we caught from this one? I know, Dan, you talked about Sam, um, you know, and Rebecca's mom, which she was delightful, by the way. Oh, great. It was Probably such a good... didn't talk enough about her. Yeah. She's willing to pay for everything. She didn't... We, we didn't necessarily target that she also kind of chipped away at the ego of Ted, right? Like the divorce conversation comes up in that lunch, right? You know, you get the, you're coming to lunch with us, you know, shouted across the pitch to the, from the boss to the employee. And you get the whole explanation, Rebecca's mom, about what's going on. And, you know, like a great character B, uh, the Tesla was enough to win her back. And, you know, I, I think you do get the, this kind of element of thinking maybe Rebecca feels guilty at the end for not trying harder after Leslie really kind of goes in on, on her that she, she needs to try or could, could something have been different much earlier in her youth if she had tried and we get the information that, you know, she, they had gone apart, they'd split up her parents. And when she came back, she didn't get spoken to by her mom for nine months. Right. Like, so she kind of dealt with that trauma and has had a chance to have a different perspective on it that uh, maybe Leslie has had. Well, and kind of funny that didn't Rebecca even say that her dad was going to buy her mom like an eco-friendly gift, like a sizable eco-friendly gift. So it was very specific how to get her back as well. Uh, which is funny. Uh, and then, Nick, you're jumping back into the pub as well. Uh, some foul language that uh, I think caught us all off guard once we realized what was going on. Oh, man. Uh, the fact that they, <laughs> when they're at the pub, and the, the same three guys, our, our, our protagonists uh, in the pub, are, are shouting at TV. Uh, Rebecca's mom's like, hey, can you get these guys to shut up? Like, they're just yelling at the football. And May, who is one of my absolute favorite characters on this show, says... Oh, it's not about football. They're watching last night's Great British Bake Off, and they're they're yelling about tempering chocolate and stuff like that. It's such a good thing, and I love Great British Bake Off. That's the thing that you should know about me. It's a great show. Yeah, I knew that would double up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have two more. I, I won't I spoil. Another another surprise is Laughing Liam, uh, from a reference from earlier in the season, the fact that we get him at the beginning of this, this episode when he does his ha, 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 ha style laugh that was good and i love that colin knew every word to jump man by drake i thought that was hilarious I thought that was a really good spot for his character to kind of flex a little bit so those those were all the three surprises there i love the great british bake-off reference so i thought that was fantastic yeah that kind of makes me wish i had watched it in a pub with some mates as well uh, mm-hmm. would have added a lot more excitement to it uh all right lastly winner winner football dinner who won the episode uh, I went sideways on this one just to be a contrarian. Uh, I said the Diamond Dogs because they are a massive support group. They uh, rally at a moment's notice. They will talk about anything, and they don't uh, just agree. They give their honest opinion. Uh, we'd be all we'd all be very fortunate to have a group of Diamond Dogs in our life. But you two had the Wunderkind as your winner. I mean, look, you get tactics right in the 90-second minute. You get the game winner. Now you guys are just handing out a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah. Man, harsh harsh days for old Nate. I mean, it, it it was cool. It was a cool episode for him. He was not the main character in this episode. Um, but I think the, the thing that I liked about it and the reason I gave him the dub is because when when Jamie scores the goal and Ted kind of shoves him aside to go 
congratulate Roy for getting it right. That was a clear, um, that was a clear moment that the show wanted you to feel right. I think we've all felt like that before where we get passed up for something or we get overlooked for something. So for him to like take it upon himself to do the impossible and beat those bottler spurs in the, in the 92nd minute with a park, the bus Mourinho strategy. Uh, love that. And, and I love it for him too. I mean, he's, he's going through changes right now on the show <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, Dan, I think I think he's the the rightful winner. Well, he also for the cup, he chose the suit, which is the way to do it. You know, the, look, you know, you want to go in and do the track suit for every league match, thirty eight league fixtures or more, depending upon which which league we're talking about. Go ahead, but we're talking about the magic of the cup. You know, this this is a moment to bust out the threads. And uh, credit to Nate for uh, attention to detail. Also, special mention. Ted shoe game right now is out of control. It is so awesome. They are doing an incredible job. The Nike partnership clearly in full swing. <sighs> My God. Incredible. Uh, Jason Sudeikis has done that uh, sneaker shopping yep. uh, uh, YouTube video as well. And he will. I'm not a sneaker <laughs> head, but like he showed me he's definitely sneaker. He knows what he's I doing. Am, I am a sneaker head. I wish I could afford half of the sneakers that that he got on that one episode of sneaker shopping but woof incredible stuff yeah so the the running tally as it stands roy kent on top of the table two jamie tart with one sam with one higgins with one and now nate on the board with one a notable um missing person on our winners list so far which is is kind of mm. what we were referencing at the beginning the man himself all right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.